Deputy Chairman Fred Hampton of the Illinois Black Panther Party. Repeat after me. Hello and welcome to Our Slice on Film, a movie podcast talking about movies new and old, some movie industry news, while also incorporating some, some fun pizza-related conversation into the mix. Uh, as always, I'm one of your hosts, Brian, hailing from Chicago, and I'm, I'm joined by my partner in crime. Michael from New York. How's it going, man? Doing great. We're living in Memphis, though. Yes, we are. And what's happening in Memphis right now, Brian? It's trying to be its best New York slash Chicago right now. It's cold, Michael. It's, it's cold. It's pretty cold. It's like 20 degrees outside right now. Right now. Yeah. And I don't know about you. The other day we had like this ice storm. I mean, not, I know you had this ice storm. I was there. I, don't know about I, you. Lived, I lived that yeah, far from yeah. you. I don't know about you, but my car legit had like probably a quarter to a half of inch on ice on it. It was difficult to, to get the dethaw that I'm going to work yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. The tree in the backyard in my neighbor's backyard is like touching the ground. Because all yep. of the, I, and I'm really nervous. We have this huge oak tree in our backyard with like limbs that just, you know, hit our house all the time. So I'm just really, I'm still oh, worried wow. if, you know, because next week we're supposed to get another winter storm. I know. I think now that, that'll be lean more on the side of snow, right? I think there's yeah. something like three to five inches, which is a lot for Where, Memphis. I thought I moved away from this. I know, right? Like we came to Memphis to avoid that. And now here it is just taking over our lives again. Yeah. Although I am lucky that I had the ice scraper by my front door. For all year round, which is yes. a northern thing to do, I think. Absolutely. For whatever, yeah, for whatever reason, I had two. So nice. I broke one trying to ship my car That's out why you have another two. One. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, wow, we've seen some shit. <laughs> I know. But yeah, three to five inches, they're going to, I mean, we'll see what happens with the university. Three to five inches, I'm assuming in New York, but in Chicago, that's like, all right. You're going like, to school. You're going to school, like walk or the bus will be there. You're fine. Mm -hmm. In Memphis, the whole city shuts down. <laughs> yeah, I think we have like one salt truck. Yes, that's exactly. owned by the county, perhaps. <laughs> and I and I really am not looking forward to the roads after the storm because, no. again, you know, I don't know about you, New York roads like withstand some some good weathering. These roads do not. They don't. They're not built for this winter snow. No, but maybe it could the snow can pack in the potholes that we have and make <laughs> maybe driving a little smoother, but we'll see. Oh yeah. But we love it here in Memphis. <laughs> yeah. This isn't a ringing endorsement for Memphis, but no, we truly do love it. You're yeah, right. You're it's right. great. This is just the winter BS that you have to go through. And we're complaining. This literally is three to five weeks of the entire year yeah. where it's cold like this. So we it's it's a very limited amount of time yeah then the rest of the year we're just you know sweating our ears off exactly yeah i was it gonna say balls but this is a uh, family podcast and yet you still said it just now um whatever but yeah <laughs> um not really sure how to tr smoothly transition to the movie from snowy uh hot as balls conversation but i want to go ahead and certainly try if that's okay with you yeah i mean i think chicago is a good link oh boom there we go all right Good job. All Don't right, forget, so, Brian, you're from Chicago. Yes. Yes, I am. Painted um, very nicely in this movie we watched. Although, yeah. Although, <laughs> I think it may have filmed in Cleveland. I'm not. Oh, I, whoa. That I might need to 
fact check me on that one. A lot of movies being filmed in Cleveland, I'm assuming just like the taxes there are super, super low. And um, But good for Cleveland. I mean, they're getting a lot of things headed, headed their way. I know Fast and the Furious, one of their movies shot in Cleveland, framing for New York. Anywho, that's an aside. Weird. Back to Chicago. We're talking about Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, a new Shaka King film. He directed and co-wrote this movie starring Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, and Dominique Fishpack. This is a story about uh, the chairman of the Illinois Black Party, Panther Party, Fred Hampton, and, um, and also Bill O'Neill, an FBI informant. Uh, it takes place in Chicago and during the late 60s. And it's just, uh, this is a biopic meets crime meets... FBI Spence drama, drama wow. romance movie. There's just a lot going on here. And nicely done. And it honestly pulled it off. Yeah. Now it's not easy to pull all of those genres off and like make it super duper smooth with a jazz score. Yeah. Which it was I love. Cool. It's it's funny because like I, the first thing I think of is a biopic movie. This is a movie about the really, I guess, the rise and then demise of Fred Hampton mm. in my, in my, in my thought, but then, yeah, you're right. It has all the, then, it, but it mixes in these genres to make it, I'm thinking like th- this cinematic Hollywood movie and, you know, and it stars also, in my opinion, a good bit of like movie stars, oh, if you yeah. will, you know, Daniel Kaluuya from get out widows, queen and slim black Panther fame, Lakeith Stanfield from Atlanta, short term 12, Get out. Uh, sorry not to bother you. And then Jesse Plemons, I feel like he's been around for like decades now. Yeah. Um, really doing so some good work now, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's He he just does really good job picking out movies. Like, I don't know who his agent is, but like the scripts he gets and the decisions he makes, he's just a really good supporting character in everything that he's in. And that's the case in this movie as well. Yeah. Well, he was a lead character in uh, Charlie Kaufman's movie you didn't like. Oh, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. He's, oh, and, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, I don't know how much acting was in that. I don't know. Jesse Plemons as a person, he might have just like walked on set one day. Martin he Sheen. Comes off. Yeah, he comes off as creepy for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think that plays. He's like, he's got like almost like this cute, lovable, like, oh, this guy's funny. Like I'm picturing him in game night, right? Like he's adorable yeah. to laugh at, but like yes. he might like snap. I think that's yeah, yeah, no doubt. theme. And this, this, this character he played it really i don't know he's he's complex well, all of the well, all of the characters are super complex and i want to talk about each one a little bit specifically as we uh progress in the conversation you just mentioned Mar- martin sheen too like it's easy to forget he's in this movie as j edgar hoover casually casually yeah. you know he's i was like i, I what's his makeup like because is that just martin sheen looking real old right now i'm gonna have i to think Google it was martin sheen 2020 no, it, he was. It was an unrecognizable Martin Sheen. He had some hardcore prosthetics, and I slash he's old slash makeup. But yeah, playing the villainous J. Edgar Hoover in this movie, and also a little a little Rel Howery in it for like a casual like five minutes towards the end. That also nice from Get Out, it's like a reunion yeah. between Daniel Lil Ray and uh, Lakeith. I just I know that. didn't hate it, but. Yeah, no. So this is a movie, Michael, that I told you I was really looking forward to this year. And I think it stood out because of the trailer. Just one of the, I don't know if you ever had the chance to check out the trailer, but like really one of the, the most engaging, fun, exciting trailers that I saw late last year. And so I've been pumped about this movie. And then when it said it was going straight to HBO Max, I was like, oh, I have no excuse to not see this movie now. And 
Yeah, man, it it didn't disappoint. The only thing that was disappointing was that I didn't see it in a theater. Yeah, this, it is playing in theaters right now. I know, I know, I know. Not to say I can't see it, I just don't want to. Yeah. I, I don't want to. But in in any normal circumstance, this on a big screen with the sounds, the music, the, the these larger than life characters, yeah. the setting, it would have played really, really. It will play really, really well uh, on a big screen. And the shootout scene on a big screen. Yeah, it's also an action movie. I mean, there's some pretty thrilling action sequences in this movie that I wasn't expecting as well. Yeah, me neither. You got a little glimpse of it from the trailer, which I agree was really, really great. But I think the extent of, which I don't know why I, I didn't think, the extent of the gun violence in a movie about the Black Panthers, right? Like, I, And I know this story. Like, like I said, Chicago's looking real great uh, in this movie, you know? And that's part of the conversation around this movie too. It takes place in the South side and West side of Chicago. Um, Chicago is an incredibly, unfortunately segregated city. And that's a part of the conversation apart. These characters have in this movie and the, um, the disjustice, if that's even a word, but the, and the lack of resources that are brought upon in those, um, in those communities and the black Panther party, chairman fred hampton and what he's trying to do to collaborate between different groups of communities and literally gangs Mm -hmm. and trying to bring forces together to create this rainbow quote-unquote rainbow coalition to provide resources and education to these communities to bring them out of the uh poverty um and racism and classism is uh is one of the underlying themes and stories of this movie and i thought it was it was it was cool it was kind of cool to see yeah. And, and, you know, I was really looking forward to see how this movie might differentiate itself from the 1960s in all the other movies we've watched, because yeah. this year was heavy on this period of time, you know, d- going all the way back to Defy Bloods in Vietnam. Right. That's exactly sure. related to this. Sure. So I, I definitely want to see how this would separate itself from the other movies. Not that I want to compare all these movies that are going on to you know be nominated for Oscars, really great stories, a lot of talent, but it's it's a very saturated market with this time period right now. And I think this is a really great glimpse that we didn't get to see in any of the other ones. Yeah, thinking about Trial of the Chicago 7, which takes place like basically concurrently, mm-hmm. like at the same exact time, and they quickly mentioned Bobby Seale in this movie and him being on trial. Um, J. Edgar Hoover talking about it. Um, but... Um, in that movie, I remember like Chicago was was a different kind of character. They kind of glamorized Chicago a little bit amidst the violence and the and the turmoil taking place during that time. The movie was vi- the the color palette was very mm-hmm. bright in that movie, um, and just the tone of the movie was drastic, dramatically different. Whereas this, as you mentioned, it highlights very different areas of Chicago. Um, the color palette of this movie is not nearly as bright. I think it's a little bit toned down, and then just the whole demeanor was just taken totally differently. And I think it probably more accurately represents what that time in Chicago was actually like, obviously I wasn't around in the sixties, but just hearing stories and seeing these two movies, this movie seems a little bit more, I don't know, realistic. Whereas trial Chicago seven seems a bit more optimistic, if that makes sense. Mm, That's some great insight, Brian. Thanks boss. I appreciate that. (laughs) Chicago has been, through so much 
like any city. I mean, we can say the exact same thing about New York, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, well, 100%. Hannah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. For, just for whatever reason, Chicago just seems to be taking up a lot of film in 2020 and early 2021, which is very interesting. Yeah, um, we're uh, definitely leaning on your side of the competition here. Yeah. <laughs> Although Cleveland apparently is coming a close third. <laughs> yeah. The, the Cleveland, film in Cleveland, if show me a movie that actually takes place in Cleveland. No, let's, let's, see, let's see that movie made. Um, uh, Ready Player One takes place in Columbus, Ohio. Okay, not Very Cleveland different. though. Yeah, not Cleveland. Good luck, Cleveland. Um, so yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's the that's the backdrop of the story. Michael, going into it, and I had a conversation with Kimberly about this after we watched the movie. What kind of knowledge did you have about, I guess, this story about Fred Hampton and the, I guess, particularly the Chicago Black Part, uh, Illinois Black Panther Party, set in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, definitely I can say for sure that none of this was part of my formal education. Um, it, this is unfortunately one of those things that I have to come across outside of, you know, middle school. Uh, yeah. that, that's a whole other story. But, you know, I, my awareness of the Black Panther Party and, and all of this civil rights era um, is, is really honestly through our watching of these movies recently really being a lot more illuminated. Um, now I, you know, I know the story of Fred Hampton and I know the story of the Black Panthers in Chicago. Like that's, it's, these are important stories. Um, and it's also, I think, you know, just shows the tension at the time that everyone is thinking that they're doing the right thing for the country or for their community or for their people, which you can't really blame anyone for wanting to do. Of course, I blame J. Edgar Hoover for, you know, being in asshat and a yeah and a closet homosexual not that i blame him for that <laughs> but just wanted to throw that in there to knock down his pride a little bit <laughs> um so yeah i mean it's it's a really really great story and i think it's it's a human it's a very realistic human story from within the black panther party you know especially for someone who's been on the outside or you know whose entire lineage probably has been on the outside of, of these discussions that we see in this movie um it's it's i'm I, it's great I guess I really went off there, but I don't know you you're from Chicago. So you had, you know, your dad talked to you about the trial of Chicago seven, um, you know, black Panthers were like you said, this was happening concurrently. Yeah. I, I, I th unfortunately I'm in a similar boat. I don't, I, I don't remember a whole lot of education about specifically Fred Hampton. I definitely had an awareness of the black Panther party and its relevance in Chicago history. Um, but like on a small level, you know, like educating youth, giving back to the communities that they're from mm -hmm. very minor, not nearly the stories about the conflict they had with police and FBI and, and the, the, the leadership that they had, right. And the influence that they had during that time. Yeah. But, and I certainly had an absolutely zero idea um, about um, Bill O'Neill played by Lakeith Stanfield, his character. The only time I heard about that, I think was during Chicago, the trial seven, I think in passing, they mentioned that they got blueprints, blueprints to Fred Hampton's apartment or oh, something like that had an informant, but like, but no, 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 that was definitely not touched upon. And it's just another example of like American education, like totally just um, omitting significant black education, black history yeah. in our country. Yeah. I mean, um, honestly, I, I can, I could probably say I walked away from any, you know, understanding the civil rights that, on some, like, I don't know, I don't want to say that, but mo 
these stories are important because it really differentiates the players at the time. And, and you can see that there's the Black Panthers, there's Malcolm X, and there's MLK. And they're not all saying the same thing. They're not all, you know, doing the exact same thing. They're not all equals in their ideologies, right? Um, and they all have different movements and different needs and different, you know, concerns about their community. And for some reason, again, the failure of education perhaps lumps all of them together in just civil rights movement people, leaders. Yes. And yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think it's fascinating that, you know, I had the most education, think about me personally, I had the most education on Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. the second most on Malcolm X. And I think that's a pretty significant gap between the two. Yeah. And then, and then lastly, by like a mile and a half would be, you know, Fred Hampton. And the Black Panthers um, just, I feel like always just got mentioned like, oh, and then there yeah. were the Black Panthers. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, so it's cool to see these stories come to light. Um, yeah, so, and then the director, tech director and co-writer Shaka King, he also knew about Fred Hampton, but did not have any history or education about Bill O'Neill. So I had to do a lot of reading about him and his character. And then on top of that, he said it was really difficult to make this movie um, because biopics in Hollywood traditionally centered around like influential white characters. And so we don't really have a whole lot of biopics about black characters, especially in this context um, when it comes to civil rights. So he had to frame this movie in a way that maybe wasn't a traditional biopic within the sense of traditional biopic might be this individual's upbringing, why they are the way that they are, their success, maybe a fall, and then how they face that adversity. Whereas this, he's like, I had to reframe this from a biopic to more of like what we had mentioned earlier, this crime, um, action, drama, thriller, romance movie, put all, blend all these genres into it to appeal to not only Hollywood, but also audiences everywhere, which I don't, I mean, it worked for me. That's when we talked about that. Like, I, I thought it worked really, really well. And it was a riveting movie in that regards. I was like, I, I couldn't stop watching everything from the performances to everything that was going on in it. Yeah. I, I think it's so much more than a, a, a biopic. Yeah. Or biopic. I don't, I still don't know how you're supposed to say that because it's, it's, it's almost two in one. Cause you've got O'Neill and you've got Hampton and it's also more of like a story of a moment in time, right? Because you kind of see the influences leading up to his, I am a revolutionary speech, which is really great. Um, which I, I, let me part there. You know, I just started my doctorate degree in communication. Right. And I'm in a rhetorical criticism class right now talking about speeches, you know, we're talking about MLK (laughs) and there's a whole thread here of really kind of Fred Hampton finding himself as a speaker. Cause he starts with the, his muse telling him he's a poet and he doesn't know it basically. He shows up to meet with the crowns and they're like, Oh, the great orator of the West side. Yeah. Then and I keep forgetting his girlfriend's name, but she runs into him listening to Malcolm X speeches and reciting them. And he's in prison writing and thinking about speeches all the time. So I was really, really drawn to that because it's, it's, you know, just like the trial of Chicago seven, right. It's, it's almost a narrative. It's a, it's a written reenactment of just a certain period that is so dramatic and suspenseful and, you know, who's right and who's wrong. Like obviously, you know, who's, who's more right and who's more wrong, but 
there's still not complete agreement on this period period of history or on the Black Panthers at all. Yeah. Nope. Exactly. And for your communications class, there's got to be more focus on Fred Hampton because, like, he really he needs to be considered as one of the great orders of I'm certainly sure his is, time. Yeah. And and I didn't re- I knew about this not too long before watching the movie. Um, he was 21 when he died when he was assassinated. Yeah, they just said that at the end. I kind of threw that in there. Oh, by the way. 21 years old, Michael. 21 years old. And then on the flip side, um, Bill O'Neill was 19. These are young people at the center of this movie. Shit. That's the one thing that really threw me off because Daniel Kaluuya is not 21 and he's <laughs> no. not 19. So that threw me off a little bit for yeah. sure. I like, had to like criticize something. But I'm not going to complain about having a movie that stars Lakeith Stanfield and Dana Kalua in it. Just like yeah. they didn't look their age. It's the only thing. But it's, I, think, I think it is important to understand how young these people were and how influential they were at their age. And it's really, really, really tragic and sad to think about what they could have done through their adult lives. 21 mm-hmm. years old, they're barely an adult. You know, he had so much more work to be done and, and opportunities to, to, to pursue. And it's really sad to think about it. Yeah. Honestly, that age gives, gives a, for me, a better perspective on O'Neill. Yes. Cause I'm like, all right, I could probably understand a kid turning in his community yep. for yep. money yep. and for power a little bit. Right. Cause he, he shows off his sunglasses. He's got the nice ride that, He's, he's taking care of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's, it really kind of results in this, you know, maybe it is because of their age that it's this, this weird tension that we're rooting for the Black Panthers in this context, you know, versus the cops, right? Mm-hmm. And, but we're also concerned about Lakeith Stanfield. Like I, my heart was beating pretty fast right before that shootout yes. when he's trying to find a way out, yeah. right? Or he's, he's almost caught hot wiring the car. Like, you know, like we're on the side of the Black Panthers and this guy's an informant on J. Edgar Hoover's side, but we still have so much really compassion, at least I did, and empathy for him. Yeah, it's and uh it's just like, do you fight for your community or is it or do you fight for like self-preservation? Right. And you mentioned he's you know, he's young, he's a teenager depicted in this movie as a teenager. And um yeah, at that age. And the risky behaviors he was engaging himself in, like he's, he's all about self-preservation and, Mm -hmm. and what 17, 18, 19 year old when faced with five years in prison or, yo, work this deal out with me. I scratch your back. You scratch mine. FBI informant. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of us will probably choose the FBI informant, Michael. Like, I don't, I don't know. And in that regard, it's, it's not, it's, it sucks to say, but like you can't, you can probably sympathize with him a little bit and, and or, or at least recognize that he also has a really tragic, sad story yeah. and that followed him for the rest of his life and led to his suicide on the debut of that interview you talk, talking mm-hmm. about. I think it was 1990. Yeah. Um, and where he ran, it, Kimberly researchers, he ran out into traffic and on the Chicago Eisenhower freeway. Um, so he was, at least in my opinion, still tormented a little bit with the conflict that he faced for all those years in his life yeah i mean that and that's what he says at the end right i mean we do get that clip of the real fred hampton during that interview um which i i I always enjoy that when it's like the the current actors recreating and it looks spot on that when you cut back i'm like 
is that still a Keith Samfield? No, it's not. It's the yeah, real yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, but he's got, you know, he says at the end, like, I was just part of the struggle. And I think that's that might be the overall theme is like this struggle and this racism, right? And this really bad kind of America at the point was pitting these black men against each other. And it's, you know, it's terrible. And that was a tactic that they used, right? Yep. The tactic that Hoover did. No doubt. No and doubt. Jesse Car- Plemons, that rat bastard. Carried out by Roy Mitchell, which I think he, Jesse Plemons, again, just phenomenal cast all the way around. Lakeith brought so much humanity to Bill O'Neill. Yeah. Every time that- Lakeith cries, I'm just like, oh. Yeah. Oh. That's a character that probably we should like hate the, the things that he did, right? And there's Who, definitely Roy part Mitchell? Of- no, I'm sorry. For, for first, Bill O'Neill. Okay. Like, there's some parts that we probably should hate about him, right? Like, probably not a good guy, ratting on his friends, resulting in the death of several people, right, mm-hmm. in the Black Panther Party. But Lakeith, through his acting, is able to depict this sense of humanity and allow us to sympathize with him a little bit and understand the tragedy of his story, which, again, I think that's more of a testament to Lakeith than the than actual Bill O'Neill himself. And then similarly... Roy Mitchell, I don't really have, I don't really have sympathy for him at all. I think he's a bad guy. But Jesse Plemons, like there are parts in the movie where he's interacting with Martin Sheen's J. Edgar Hoover, who's Wolf. just like the definition of evil in this movie, right? Yeah. Um, so let's the, can we read that scene real quick? So Hoover, it, I, it came across to me that Roy Mitchell didn't know that J. Edgar Hoover knew about his family. So he's yeah. sitting there like like he's almost like learning that Hoover knows he has these kids. And that's what I got. Like he never told him. So there's also sympathy for him sitting in that chair, right? Well, yeah, that's where I was going to get at. Like there are points when we earlier, you just see that Roy Mitchell is carrying out this deed. Roy Mitchell in his own right is very menacing. He's controlling. He's dictating um, Bill O'Neill's character. But then there are moments where he's the middleman and talking to J. Edgar Hoover and J. Edgar Hoover is is again just evil he's revealing information that roy mitchell didn't know he had whether it be about his own family or whether about what's happening in the black panther party and in the setup that he's doing on the side and then it's resulting in roy mitchell being like oh the fbi is a lot more shady than i thought it was i don't know if i'm as down with it as i should be but then but of course he ends up carrying out his whim anyways which which further you know that's how evil roy mitchell is but i thought jesse plemons did a really good job for brief moments in the film, acting confused and concerned, but then in turn translating that into, again, evil, greed, and menace when interacting with um, Bill O'Neill. So I liked I liked the back and forth he was able to convey as well. Yeah, and it's the system. Yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. Um, yeah, and it's I've never I've never seen J. Edgar Hoover that biopic that Leonardo DiCaprio did. I think that was the movie he did. I did. Um, have I never heard of that? I, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good. <laughs> okay. There you go. Um, but and it, it's just it's it's I'm I'm it's interesting to see him depicted. I think in this this accurate light, right? Like it's they made no, or maybe I don't know how accurate, but they they made no. Um, there's no gray area in the depiction of how of of the evilness that J. Edgar Hoover was, right? Which I I like the man behind the desk. Like he's a he's a he's a mm-hmm. bad guy kind of thing. And we've got a damn after him. Um, anyways, um, talk about the movie a lot. Do you want to go further with our pizza-related questions? Yes, please. It's so good. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about best slice, Michael. 
I feel like there's a number of things we could talk about, but for you, were there any best slides, best scenes that stuck out to you? Um, I've got, you know, the, the hot wiring in the car when he almost gets caught the very first time. Yeah. I was, I was really sweating. Cause I'm like, man, he just got this gig. Yeah. He's just about to start. He's an, this goes over a couple of years, right? It's not believe, just like I believe so. summer. Yeah. yeah. So he like really kind of grows into, you can, you can see the informant becoming part of the, the group that he's supposed to be surveilling. Right. And, and I enjoyed that beginning part where he's like really trying to get away. I didn't know if he could hotwire a car or not. Yeah. 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 I really was like, he's always taking the keys if he's doing this FBI shit. Yep. Um, so that was really good. Cause it was just like super tense and yep. I loved it. I completely agree. It's amazing. You, we know that Bill O'Neill survives through this because the movie opens with an, with an old interview of him after the fact. So we know Bill O'Neill makes it, but he, but it's amazing in those sequences. And there are several of them about the film that it is really thrilling. And like, mm-hmm. you're, I don't know about you, but, and I, we know this, my heart tends to race really easily during movies. I'm like, yeah. fuck, this is really, this is really intense right now. It was, it was so well done how he, how. Cause it's part, it's part spy thriller. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was, ah, oh, it's genius. It's so genius. Um, I had that down as a sequence too. I, I, I completely agree. I think the scene that I'm going to talk, there are two, I think we're all can agree that like, Really, any time Fred Hampton speaks in this movie, Dana Kalua speaks, it's just like must watch. Give me my popcorn. You know, I'm watching this like, uh, yeah. kind of thing. And there's one sequence towards the end where he talks about you can't, mur- you know, you can murder a revolutionary, but you can't murder a revolution. Um, that speech, him walking up the steps and the camera following him up those steps, I thought that was a really quick but cool like three or four seconds he's above the camera you get a picture of this larger than life daniel kalua fred hampton is and then then it cuts to him giving the speech Mm -hmm. so good but a non-speech moment that i liked was their first interaction with the crowns when they walk into when they walk into their 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 headquarters i'm assuming and the crowns are just every single one of them loaded with ammo and guns and assault rifles and if I'm Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers, I'm like, what did I just get myself into? But Fred Hampton, man, I mean, able to talk mm. his way through it, his ability to to collaborate, to to bring to light how this is mutually beneficial for both of our respective groups, and and there's a lot of like leadership lessons to be, I think, told in that a little bit. And then also speaking of thrilling one of the crowns recognizing Bill O'Neill from earlier in the movie. I'm like, Oh shit, what's going to happen now? Oh man. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that sequence a lot. And nothing came of that, I guess. No, nothing came of it. And and I'm I'm fine with it, you know, but man. And that's right before the hot wiring scene. Exactly. 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 So right before that, which is why in my notes, I have meeting with the crowns followed by in the car, talking about how he boosts cars uh, as one, one and two. But Talking about best slices, and I talk about the camera angles. I don't know if it's pointed out to you, but like the cinematography and some of the, some of the camera angles in this movie were just amazing. Shit. All right. Because my my follow-up best slices when Fred Hampton gets out of jail. Yeah. And, you know, it's only hinted at very briefly through one line, does he know when they're talking about her being pregnant? Yeah. 
He walks out and it's a oneer, I think. And she's wearing this long overcoat that's obviously covering her belly. But if you miss that first line, it's just like, oh, it's a reunite. Mm-hmm. And then as the camera pulls back, her coat falls back a little bit and you can see she's bigger and he goes in. And when we're fully widescreen, it's like, man, awesome. Yes. And that, that's, that shot right there, really, I was like, again, I woke up at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning to watch this movie because I fell asleep last night. And the emotions were so high in that scene. That I literally was like, tears. I was yeah. like, this is, nice. this is a nice little reunion. Yep. No, I completely agree. I had I had that sequence as well. And anytime they're in a car or by a car, I feel like Shaka King and the cinematographer really made it a point to like just make that really again, I guess, thrilling or actiony. They, you know, having the camera like I'm assuming on a dolly or something mm-hmm. or still something outside the car, and then you see them driving, but the background's moving or like or you have the car on the the camera on the windshield and then you see the camera go through the car and you see what's happening in the background. Love it. Things like that. I I think I'm just a sucker for that in general. I love like cool background shots when the focus is in the background, but the camera is far away. There are mm-hmm. points when Fred Hampton's speaking and the camera's in the crowd and you see it like, from the perspective of like, being in the crowd and you see him wowing up the crowd. I just everything about like the angles and the way yeah. things were shot and just the, how beautiful, again, it would have looked so good on a screen, but I, I, I know that was one of the main points I thought it was really, really And you good. mentioned color before. I love the, co- the color contrast between the bl- scenes in the black Panther party, especially in their headquarter where, you know, they're all wearing black leather jackets and black berets that it's a very, very muted, very monochrome a little bit. And then we go and meet with Roy Mitchell in the expensive restaurant smoking cigars and it's bright reds and golds and like really popping. And he looks dashing as he's, (laughs) as he's puffing this thing, asking him to help murder Fred Hampton, basically. Yeah. Um, And right in the middle is that towards the end when he gets the poison with Lil Ray and he comes in and that's like a middle ground because it's not this high class white restaurant and it's not headquarters. So it's got a little bit more color when he's doing this, this deal with the guy in the furry coat. I assume maybe a, maybe a pimp working for the FBI. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure. I don't know. Costumes were great too though. Yeah. And we can talk about this towards the end, but I mean, I hope this movie gets like just a ton of nominations. I mean, anything from, production to costumes to acting to directing writing screenplay all the things we've just had non-stop movies like kind of topping each other where there's been some really good runs leading up not mad about it no yeah. it's been a good <laughs> season let's see in the next two months what happens yeah we'll see uh, okay so that's our best slice we had a lot of them which i love and I, i'm not mad about that let's go to favorite topping our favorite quote which i mean geez louise I mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't write down too many because they were really all in his speeches, which I I am interested now, although I just finished the movie going back and seeing like if a lot of those words are exactly Mm. almost like said, like how how well did Kahlua kind of copy that? Yeah, we, we, we saw Rami Malek play. This is so weird. In Bohemian Rhapsody, he did the whole live aid, you know, shot for shot, move for move. It's not something that's not uncommon. I'd be really interesting to see it like a side by side. So I didn't copy any speech quotes. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. What I do know from what I've heard from interviews from Daniel Kalua was that he had to go take a dialect coach, um, mm-hmm. and then he also went to go see an opera coach um, to train his vocal cords to, to project. To, to project and just and he, you know this is filming. He would have to give those speeches for hours at a time. Damn, um, you're right. So, so he had to train his muscles to do that. 
And I thought that was really, really interesting and in how to, you know, he had to embody, you know, again, just the, the larger than life voice of, of mm -hmm. Fred Hampton, which is really, really interesting. I thought, and if you listen to Daniel Kaluuya in an interview, he sounds nothing like Fred Hampton. He sounds nothing like in this, uh, what he does in this movie. He's yeah. just unapologetically British and, and it has a really thick accent. The only similarities that they, they both talk really, really quick. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, and I, I want, I need to rewatch this movie with subtitles because I, I'm sure I missed some really good dialogue, but he's, he's so quick in his, his rhythm and his, and his, and his speech. It's, it's super impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so was there so, anything that really stuck out to you or anything that you were, I guess, particularly, I mean, again, any of his speeches, really, you can say the whole entire thing. It probably resonates, yeah. but anything specifically, I mean the big one and it was in the trailer. So I kind yeah. of feel like trash, but anywhere there's people, there's power. Yeah. Love that. Um, again, not to be the nerd, but like conversations of power are really, really falling into my class discussions too. So it was kind of really, I, I enjoyed the the whole thing for that reason too. Um, also, let's not talk, let's talk about the poetry because some of the, the poetry was really good. Mm -hmm. um, those lines and, and I, I love that whole theme. Her too. She's oh, such a tragic story for her. I know. Oh. She, was, she was really, really good in it. I thought she brought, she was good in bringing this emotional um, down to earthness to it all i suppose a nice yeah i don't know if juxtaposition is the right word but i thought she would i thought she was really really good um, yeah. can you hear me right yeah all right um all right yeah i agree i wrote that down as well and i also like the context of what he said that's him getting out of prison and then seeing the headquarters which he knew was burned down but he gets back to the headquarters like wait wait a minute i thought this was burned down like, yeah man we've been rebuilding it much thanks to bill over here and then he just looks the bill and he says that and he says it really sentimentally. And it was really nice that delivery he had. I agree. I wrote that down. Um, I liked him saying forming a rainbow coalition. You know, I, I like, <laughs> yeah. I, I like that a lot. And the idea of a rainbow and what that symbolizes, I, I dig that. And then I'm not going to lie. I expected a some gay people from hearing that from the trailer. Sure. I was like, Oh wow. The black Panthers and the queers in one movie. I, I really just overlooked that should have been, well, I can see minus, why. I can see, minus I can one see, slice for that. Can, minus one slice. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. As long as it's not a half slice. Um, and, and as then, long as it's not James Corden. Yeah, exactly. 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 Um, that, and then I also like, I think this is in, this is when he's talking to his partner, um, uh, Dominique, uh, played by Dominique uh, Fishback, um, Deborah Johnson. She's having a conversation with him because she's realizing the, the severity or just how much he sought after from the FBI and the danger of, of his work. And he says, you know, when I say I dedicate my life, I mean, I dedicate my life. And then he like gives her a little bit of a wink. I, again, the, the line delivery and, and just simple line, like, but like just, uh, it resonated a lot. Like he could, you can tell this is a man that means what he's doing. He believes in what he's doing. And, uh, at 21 years old, that's, I, that's super admirable. I mean, I can't, that's amazing. Yeah, I think she's she's super courageous too. I Absolutely, mean, she's right. She's bringing a baby into a war zone. Yep, she almost gets killed. I can't. I'm you know in the final gunshot. I'm glad she's alive, but like, oh my god, don't see how she survived. I said, I said this. Of, yep, <laughs> a lot of bullets flying. Um, some of them only got like shot once in the leg. I was like, he, guy had a Tommy gun. It's I saw a, that. Where was he shooting? It's a miracle she didn't die. If it was anything close to how it was depicted in the movie, it's honestly miraculous that she right. that she and her baby, her unborn baby, uh, survived. Um, 
And I didn't know. I didn't. I have no idea what she's been up to since then. So I, I thought maybe she might have died in that raid. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, she's alive. As we saw, she's alive. Her son's alive. Fred Hampton Jr. is alive, doing doing his own civil justice work, civil rights work. Um, but yeah, I, that was pretty pretty intense. Yeah. All right. Well, let's break out a box of pizza, a pie, and who were we sat sitting to chat with? To me, there are two answers. Nick. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot. We mentioned the complexity of these characters. So there's a lot to really draw out from these characters. I think it would be kind of cheating to say Fred Hampton. Right. Yeah, um, you always cheat like that. Yeah, I do always cheat. But like <laughs> I would 21 years old, I can learn so much from this guy. And and it's and again, it's a shame if I can like have a piece with his ghost and like think about the work that he could have done and the impact he could have had not only in Chicago, not only in Illinois, but the country, it would have been really, really cool. But I think, um, I think like Bill O'Neill would be a really interesting slice, you know, like I want to hear his conflict and what was his life in between the late sixties and his, and his death in, in 1990. Um, and would love to flush that out a little bit more and also see like, how accurate this depiction was. I guess we, we mentioned Lakeith really bringing a lot of humanity to this role. Was he really that conflicted? You know, I don't know. We'll never know. He's dead. So um, I, would, I would love to learn more about that. Cool. cool. How about you? Um, well, in spirit of, you know, my tradition, my first would be the hospital janitor who I don't know his name. Wow. But I, that's, I'm not going to go further because my, my second one's a little bit more interesting and I feel ashamed because I picked a white guy, but I think if we're thinking of spinoffs or alternative stories that are happening within the Rainbow Coalition, I think the leader of the Young Patriots, who I think his name is like mm. Fess, Fess, okay, something, something or other. Um, I think it's interesting, and I want, I would love to know, like they've, I mean, they've got that Southern Pride flag or whatever you want to call it, the Confederate flag, Confederate flag, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, behind them, and yet they're like. I felt like it was really quick to kind of join the Black Panthers. And I think there would be a, a whole nother drama about how those two groups are actually working together for the same cause. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's interesting that like he was a leader of these young Patriots, but they like, he was all for joining the Black, Black Panthers. So obviously I know it was a rainbow coalition is like a class coalition, right? Yeah. So there's obviously some, some, something there, but I just think, I was, I was in it. Talk about tension. I mean, them walking into that meeting, trying to recruit, I was like, this is going to go South real quick. Yeah. It was a quick, it was a quick dialogue, but they, you know, there's, they borrowed the, the, uh, the black Panther party talked about the Confederate flag and what it means to them. And then it had the, yeah. that, that Patriot party, how about what it meant for them. And this quick, it was exchange. a real open discussion yeah. for that time period, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's, and it's contextualized what, how we as viewers see the Confederate flag and what's going on with it now. I mean, it should, shouldn't be flying anywhere and it has an incredibly negative connotation as it should, but it's interesting to see these Patriots who are willing to collaborate with the Black Panther party, having it up. And it's, it's just interesting to see the evolution of, of the, of the meaning of the Confederate flag, I guess, if that makes any sense. It's kind of fucked up that we're still worrying about the same issues today. No doubt. And that, that's for all that's these things. T- yeah, that's just for how sure. it goes. Um, no doubt about it. Shout out to I the, mean, yeah, because you can sit here and you can be like, oh, there's so many similarities between these movies and what's happening today. And like, that's not good. No, that's not a good thing. We wouldn't. That's why we have these movies. That's why they're making them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Like, 
Um, and that's what also makes them. Yeah. That's why, that's why they're so compelling because we can see the similarities. Unfortunately, it's just not like, it's not a good thing. Um, shout out to the Puerto Ricans. They had an appearance in this hey. movie, Puerto <laughs> Rican. I'm half Puerto Rican and they're part of that rainbow coalition. And it's a cool, quick highlight to the, um, to the Puerto Rican population in Chicago, which is pretty, um, yeah. pretty large. Um, I browsed, I browsed their Wikipedia page. Okay. While I was watching this movie. They got a fun, interesting story. All right. Another spinoff. Let's go. Let's go. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Take it up. Fellow Puerto, <laughs> fellow, fellow Puerto Rican. Um, okay. So, um, all right. That has been Judas and the Black Messiah. Do you, before going into slices, do you want to like talk about quickly its Oscar chances and, and what you would like to see come from this movie? No, I'm not ready to make a statement. I because I I think this movie is amazing. I think it's great. I'm worried that it's just yeah. the newest best movie I've seen this year. So um, bias? I I think so for sure. Um, because this is this movie was in the nominations that we covered in our last episode, but we haven't seen it till today. We're we're recording this on Saturday the 13th. That came out yesterday. Yeah. So like this is you know we've been waiting for this. Um, it was amazing. I mean, I, let's slice it out right now. I'm giving it eight slices for sure. Um, but I, 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 I don't know because I felt like one night in Miami was an awesome movie. I thought the five bloods was an awesome movie and that got snubbed real hard. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not ready to put, put my name in the ring yet. What do you think? Uh, like you mentioned also eight out of eight for me. Really, really great. I'm recommend. I've already recommended this movie to everyone I've texted this morning. So mm-hmm. I couldn't recommend it more. It's great on so many different levels, thematically, cinematically, the performances. Um, as far as the Oscars, I need to see the, the list again or when the nominees come out. But like I, Daniel Kaluuya for Best Supporting Actor, I think certainly not, has to get nominated. He's supporting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's supporting for Golden Globes and, appear, and for mm-hmm. SAGs. Um, and there's a large portion of this movie, not large, there's a significant portion of this That's movie where he's, not, where he's not in it. You know, when and and those are kind of like the down moments. It sucks not seeing Daniel Kaluuya as for him in this movie for a little bit, but it's just the story that was that was happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Lakeith would be the lead. Leads already really packed. Uh, he was really really good. I would love to see him nominated. Probably wouldn't win, but I think Daniel Kaluuya. This is his show. I I need to see the list again, but it's hard not to think how he can't win after seeing a performance like this. I and, hear you. And Shaka King. I mean. For someone that's coming out of nowhere, essentially, he's nowhere, got a, he's got a couple things on his resume on IMDb. But where did Ryan Coogler find him? I don't know, but I'm I'm happy. Oh no, Shaka King said they met at Sundance a couple of years ago. Um, cool. I got to get there. Yeah, we got to go to Sundance. Our slice on film. Donate now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, but no, he was. I mean, I would love to see a best director for him, man. Again, just the way this was shot, the way it was paced, these performances, the story, how they told it. It's it uh, it was so impressive and i don't see how he can't get a, a best director's nod and how this movie doesn't get a best movie nod they nominate nine movies anyways basically for best yeah. movie so this has to get nominated for that and i would love to see um him get nominated for best director is this adapted i don't i don't i don't know because I, I it's weird because i mean it's adapted from his life yes i don't know if it's adapted from any other source material though i'm looking it's because a lot of what we're talking about, like a lot of the theme, like that script, man, this script is just so great too. So I, I, I could see a, a writing nod. Yeah. Um, although how, uh, how much of the script is original? If you know, 
and how much are like actual quotes that he might have said. No, no, no. I don't. I don't know what the. I don't we'll know, see. man. But this is. A movie I might watch this again before the Oscars. I think. Though. Me too. Me too. I, I haven't said that about some of the other ones. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I definitely want to watch it with subtitles. I think it'll play really well. It's on HBO Max. HBO Max. I didn't realize this, but HBO Max movies that are doing their co-release during theaters. It's uh, only on HBO Max for thirty days, so you have until March fourteenth, I think, um, to watch the or March twelfth, maybe to to watch this movie. Plenty of enough time to watch this movie again and again and again. It's really really good, and I think Michael and I can't recommend it enough. For sure, and I mean, I'm I'm gonna revisit this possibly because I'm interested in seeing. I mean, this is probably the first one that had a co-release, right? Online and in theaters out of HBO. That's actual like awards, awards worthy. No, I think maybe the first oh, one, the, the little things. That was in theaters. Okay, that was HBO so Max. I, I haven't, yeah. so I haven't looked, but I'm wondering how this, how this looks for like box office numbers. Like how, how are we basing it? This is streaming wars. Box office doesn't mean stuff anymore. Yeah, and. According to, again, this interview with Chaka King, he was asked this question. It's like, oh, it must suck not having it in theaters, right? I'm sure a part of you would have loved to have this movie seen the big screen. And he's like, you know what? You got to roll the punches. And a lot of people are seeing this movie who normally wouldn't see it. So in that case, it's, it's really great that people have eyes on this movie. So I, I, I don't disagree with him. And I also just think that speaks to just how cool he is. He was like, hey, this is the times that we're in and more people get to see it. Look, look at the positives. And I think that's cool. Sounds like an indie indie director <laughs> exactly exactly um so i hope to see him get more opportunities he's really really great and yeah any other words before going to our last slice no bring it all ding, right michael ding. let's go into last slice what do you got i don't know pedro pascal do we want to talk about him pedro pascal is basically the living embodiment of an angel if you don't follow him on any social medias i encourage you to just he's a appears to be a great human being and there he's having this renaissance, not renaissance, this uprising these past several yeah. years. And it's just one of those things where you love to see good things happen to good people. Yeah. And meanwhile, we've got his co-star, former co-star in the headlines too, Gina Carano. Oh yeah. Which I just, it's just so ironic. Yeah. I don't know. She's working with Ben Shapiro on a new movie. Yeah. So she made, she made comments comparing, um, Republicans to conservatives. Um, uh, sorry, conservative conservatives to uh, what again? The persecution of the Jews during the Holocaust. There we go. There we go. Sorry, Thank you. I don't mean to laugh because you, I don't think you should laugh when you say words like that. But like, that's that's the hill she's going to die on. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's turned to Ben Shapiro and his little production company to make a movie about anything i don't know yeah she's gonna write something which we're not gonna review it i could not be less interested in (laughs) um so yeah whatever she is a shitty person and anyone who is siding with her i think it says more about you (laughs) and she's calling out cancel culture that's what it is and now now the new words around this is cancel culture isn't about canceling someone hot off the press it's you have consequences for your actions and your words there, there, there's freedom of speech doesn't allow you to say whatever the hell you want when you are saying vile, evil, derogatory, false things and promoting those. And while bringing other communities and people down with you, that's just reprehensible. There should be consequences. And Disney has every, has every right yeah. to fire her. They move fast. Yeah. Good. And she was supposed to have a spinoff too. She's supposed to have her own show. 
I, I would love to see her. that character have its own show. I have zero interest in seeing her do it. Recast, she's easily recastable. I wouldn't say she's like a great actor by any means. So like recast her with someone who can who can do some things on screen that still carries a some more physical uh, presence. Yeah, do it. I would love to see your character more, just not her. Yeah, I mean you can you can say whatever you want, but you don't have to have a job. I think that's just the way it is. It's Disney's a private business. They want to fire her. Let her have it. Just there are consequences, words and actions, and you just can't, you can't, and you shouldn't say these things. I mean, it's just, it's completely idiotic and, and it's evil, mean spirited, all all the things you can think of. So, but on the flip side, Pedro Pascal, I mean, he appears to just be an ally for all individuals. He's super outspoken about the LGBT community and the and, and his allyship towards that community. Uh, his he and he's a, on top of that, just a phenomenal actor who's getting more and more roles, and he's just showcasing how just how all around how great of a person that he is, and we we love to see it here. Yeah, he's going to be in The Last of Us, right? Which is a video game adaptation which i'm not i'm not a gamer apparently that's super popular it is and it's only on ps4 and i have an xbox same okay and tom holland's uncharted is only on ps4 too damn 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 i've got the wrong thing but yeah so he's got cast in the lead as that between that the mandalorian um what else did he just recently do he did a movie I'm blanking on the movie that he just that he just did. He was on a Netflix oh, kids Wonder movie. Woman. He was in Wonder Woman. Ugh. I know, not great, but but a big role for him nevertheless. And I think people now in the past couple of years are just seeing the rise of him. I know he was in Game of Thrones for a little bit, and he was in, in he was in Narcos. Seeing him get so he, more, he was really comfortable in TV for a while. He yes. had a nice run on all those shows, and mm-hmm. now he's like movie star, like movie star. Now now he's like legitimately like becoming a movie star, which is awesome. And he's awesome. You know, he's He's also unapologetically Hispanic. Um, yeah. And it's just cool to also see, you know, Hispanic actors getting lead roles, you know, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. Man, what a last slice. I dig it. I'm not mad about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, Do man. Do you have one or was that one yours too? No, I dig it, man. I've been high. I've been, I've been high on Pedro Pascal for a little bit now. And again, just just like, if you don't follow him on Instagram or social media, he's really cool to follow and, he like responds to people's comments, like giving him good reviews. And he's like, Oh, thanks love. Or, Oh, me more, you know, all these things. He's just, he's just, uh, he's great. And it seems that Hollywood really likes him too. I see like Josh Gad and other people commenting like, or Patton Oswalt saying, love it when these things happen to good people. So he just seems really well revered and it's, it's, I like it. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody. That's Judas and the black Messiah. And that's been our, uh, our slice on film. What's the name of the podcast, Brian? Hell if I know. You can murder revolutionary, but you can't murder revolution. And you can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder.